electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll be able to make friends. I'm just trying to make a little money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and put strong days like this in context. So call me, 1-800-743-CNBC. Tweet me at Jim Kramer. The oscillator. The oscillator. The oscillator. It predicted it again. I'm talking about that S&P proprietary oscillator I was talking about all week, which shows how overbought or oversold the market's gotten. Coming into this week, we had the most extreme oversold reading I've seen in ages. That meant the market would act like a coiled spring on any good news. Buy, 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 buy. And we got it in spades. Namely, a stunning decline in commodity prices and lower interest rates that no one was talking about could possibly have happened. And that's how we got to today with terrific run. Dow skyrocketed 823 points. Amazing. S&P pole vaulted 3.06%. The NASDAQ. The NASDAQ surged 3.34%. I mean, All aboard. could the timing be predicted? Well, wait a second. Of course it could. Not only could it be predicted, this move was called by the redoubtable Larry Williams on our off the charts, the best market historian out there, who gave us the whole rally on a silver platter. This guy's really good. Larry, you take a bow. All right. Now, the market strength and breadth were well Breathtaking. Every single group rallied with even the beleaguered cloud stocks turning into huge winners. Leading the group are two of the, that we just profiled, Meta Platforms and Salesforce.com, both of which told us that business is robust and the street wasn't looking for that. It's perhaps much more robust than Wall Street believes the analysts didn't know. I hope you saw me in the metaverse. I was jacked as old get out. You know, like jacked? Well, it was my avatar, actually. Anyway, can today's strength continue? We've got some incredibly important data coming next week, along with some important earnings. And I think that might answer the question. Uh, But we start Monday with the most anticipated quarter we've seen in ages. And that is for Nike. Yeah, which is a barometer for just about everything going from raw costs and supply chain issues to potential worries in both China and Europe. Almost every single brokerage firm has cut its price target for Nike going in the quarter. They're fretting about the sluggishness in China. 
You know what the good news is here? When everyone knows about weakness and you get weakness, it's already baked into the stock and it goes higher unless the numbers are truly catastrophic. With a great executive like John Donahoe at the helm, late of, uh, he's been a lot of places, but you know, he, he was uh, at ServiceNow. Uh, I think investors will look through Nike's Chinese weakness and buy this thing. Now, here's one that I potentially really haven't flagged enough at all, and that, that's just been my bad uh, because it's become mission critical. And that's that's uh, the Case-Shiller Index, the price index, which we're actually going to move over here because it's cooler. That's uh, It's one of the chief culprits of inflation, which has been an astonishingly high cost of housing. We need to see some signs that even if housing prices aren't coming down, that they aren't going up as rapidly as they were, thanks to the Fed's aggressive rate hikes. And, of course, maybe even more important, the Fed's nonstop negative downbeat view, which makes you feel like, holy cow, I'd be a moron to buy a house. Now, we've seen a ton of raw costs that go into housing come down. Well, home prices come down with them. Or is this just a windfall for the home builders? Well, that's the impression I got from Lenar and KB Home earlier this week. They're keeping the windfall. As long as demand is this strong, why shouldn't they? Also on Tuesday, we hear from Aero Environment. Now, this is a drone company. I've been able to run, uh, use one of their drones. I want to know if the U.S. government has ordered more of these drones to help Ukraine fight off the Russians. I know our government hasn't ordered nearly enough anti-tank missiles from Raytheon. Maybe the long-range drones are more effective? I don't think so, but I hope we get a chance to ask them. Hey, maybe there are peace talks we don't know about, and that's why the orders are slowed. Wednesday, Jay Powell speaks along with some of the other central bank counterparts, and I'm sure the topic will be how to combat inflation without having a nasty recession. Hey, I bet those other central bankers te- te- treat them with more respect than the, uh, the elected officials. Fortunately, the outcome seems a lot more likely after this week's commodity collapse, not to mention easing the semiconductor shortage that no one's talking about except for me because I found out about it today, and the big pullback in oil, which everybody's talking about. If you're feeling defensive, Wednesday is your day, my friends. Wednesday is it. Look at this we got here. Uh, you, you, we not got one, not one, but two high-quality slowdown stocks to choose from, General Mills or McCormick. Lately, Mills has been putting up some fantastic numbers. Plus, if Kellogg, which is a... Yeah, kind of a not as good as General Mills Company, but I'm being such a diplomat tonight. Can break up on it uh, in strength of its underlying businesses. Who knows what General Mills could do if they wanted to. As for McCormick, I like their spice business. You know that. I have always kept their spice right in one hand because I keep two things on hand. I keep this on hand and um, the stuff from my contact lenses. And you don't want to confuse these two. Now, if we're going to recession because families don't go out too much, this is what you're going to that be using, all right? Not this. Now, here's one that, you, uh, that maybe you, you could be considered one of the great mysteries of all of, of, of this entire market. It's Bed Bath & Beyond. I always railed against this retailer for endlessly buying back their stock at high prices with nothing to show for it. The good news is the company always had plenty of cash on hand to support it while it tried endlessly to transform the business. Now it has CEO Mark Tritton here. He's formerly chief merchant at Target, who's desperately trying to turn around the chain. Uh, but he must have felt a little more confident than he should have because Bed Bath continues to buy back stock aggressively. Yet the business hasn't turned yet, and the cash in the till is dwindling. Let's see if Tritton can pull something off here, although it's harder and harder to imagine that happening. I sure wish these guys would sell Bye Bye Baby to bring in some liquidity. It was a meme stock. Uh, and you know what? I, I, I really wish all the meme people well. The bell tolls for them. <laughs> 
Paychex also reports on Wednesday, and we've had a series of really strong numbers from this payroll processor. As small to medium-sized businesses continue to hire, continue to grow, and get extra services from these guys. Will that continue? CEO Martin Musi will tell us. What, what, what I can't can tell you is, for, sure, for certain, is that Paychex may make a lot of extra money thanks to the Fed rate hikes because they collect interest while they wait for people to deposit their checks, also known as the float. Thursday morning, we get the most important data of the week. It's what everybody buzzes about. Uh, it's the core PCE deflator. That's the personal consumption expenditures index. We must see progress in these inflation numbers, or we can expect another 50 or 75 ba- uh, blows to our head. I think it's too early to expect good news from this number, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see some improvement. Else, Otherwise, the bears are going to go be down there giving us the business. Constellation Brands reports on Thursday morning, and this is the key, really key position for my charitable trust because it has the fastest growing beer franchise. It's got Corona, Modelo, and yes, young people's favorite, Pacifico, because it's got a long net and a neck and it has a yellow label. That's the only reason I can think of. Um, I think Constellation's growth is underestimated. It doesn't hurt that they're working on a cannabis beverage that could be very successful if our government were ever to legalize marijuana. After the close, we get results from Micron. Here, I fear the worst as prices keep weakening for its core microprocessors. This one has the potential to bring the whole ailing semiconductor sector down. I think Micron's been hurt by se- really severely by the Chinese lockdown, and its woes may be instantly transmitted to the whole complex. This uh, Micron has just incredible pin action. And I fear it's going to gutter it, maybe get a 43 and then, you know, a 43 does not produce good. That, if you bowl, that's not so good. Finally, we get fresh PMI data, and that's the Purchasing Managers Index. And needless to say, we need to see weakness here in order to forestall more uh, giant rate hikes in the future. Remember, we're looking for bad, okay? We don't want good because that emboldens Powell to do things we don't want him to do. Now, if we see some stalling with this number, then the entire soft landing thesis, which, you know, I believe in, will be reasserted. Next week is crucial in another way. It's been ages since we've been on pre-announcement watch, you know, where companies have to admit that things aren't going well. Things like higher labor costs, supply chain woes, the Russia-Ukraine war, they may be playing havoc with corporate bottom lines. That's such havoc that some companies may cut their forecast next week before they are due to report because they've looked at their order books and say, we don't have the mojo. They won't use the technical term mojo. They've got other things they call it. Many companies now know how they've done in the second quarter. They know their order books and might feel compelled to own up to weakness uh, ahead of time because the numbers are so well below Wall Street's projections. It used to be 5%. They're 5% below. They should pre-announce. But they seem to get away with anything now. Bottom line, if we get through next week unscathed by the negative pre-announcements, it makes me feel a lot more confident that July won't be as bad as what we've just been through. It'll make me more bullish. Why don't we go to NAS in Florida? NAS! Booyah, Mr. Kramer. How are you doing? NAS, I'm doing fine. It's Friday. I'm going to pull up with a mezcal in about an hour and a half, and I'm not drinking <laughs> cheap scotch off a dirty linoleum floor. Not after today's action. <laughs> I agree. After today... I'm actually drinking a little scotch right now in your honor. Uh, really? I hope it's like maybe yeah. single malt. Or are you going best with some of my dad's old brands like Kentucky Gentleman? <laughs> actually, it is, it, it is a little uh, Jim Beam going on here. I like so. Beam. Suntory, it's good. Many different brands under the name. They've done great, and their cans are good. But don't forget, last night, I have to tell you, a little away from course, I had, unbelievable, I had the, the uh, Jack... 
and Coke Diet. Oh, that's good. Jack and Diet Coke. My wife had the Jack and uh, and she. Uh, I got to finish this. I'm sorry. My wife had the Jack, the Jack and uh, uh, Coke Zero. That was even better. How can I help? Oh, well, I am wondering about Hewlett Packard. Is Keep it wondering. A good time to buy and no, is it a good I, I don't like the low. You know, I, look, I love Enrico Lawrence. He's terrific, but the PC business is, is weak, and that's a problem. I'm sorry I went on so long about the Coke and Jack, but, well, I call it actually Jack and Coke. But I have to tell you, he's brought up the Jim Beam, so it wasn't my fault. All right, now we rallied this week, and if we get through next week unscathed by negativity, then I got to tell you, I'm going to feel a little more positive about what's in the current. But don't get too cocky. That always fails us. Bad money tonight. Vici. I came, I saw, I conquered properties. The REIT behind some of the country's biggest casinos was recently added the S&P 500. It's got 5% yield. And we got to learn about this thing. Then Ivano Electric delayed its IPO until next week. I'm taking a closer look at the mineral and uh, metal mining technology company. You may not like it. And Oshkosh produces some of the toughest specialty trucks in the world. I'm learning more about the company's innovative pipeline with the CEO. Stay with Jimmy Chill. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere, you can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are we 
week and a half ago, you may like to do these screens. Remember the market was looking a lot uglier than it does now? So we did the screen on the S&P 500. Find just cheap stocks with solid earnings growth and large dividend yields. Exactly what you need to do to stay safe in a more choppy environment than we had today. Only 23 names made the cut. One of them was Vici Properties. It's V-I-C-I. You know, I came, I saw, I conquered. A real estate investment trust that's the landlord for a number of casinos and golf properties. I see this as a good way to play the return of leisure travel post-pandemic. I like it as an inflation hedge. And this is one that's safe from the casino owners themselves. Because the operators either have exposure to Bacal, which is ruinously terrible, or ruinously competitive sports betting businesses. Plus, Vici's a cheap stock with a bountiful 5.1% yield, much better than treasuries. Since I highlighted last week, the stocks are already up nearly 8%. I wouldn't be surprised if it's got more room to run. Don't take it from me. Let's check in with Ed Petoniak. He's the CEO of Vici Properties. You get a better sense of where his company's headed. Mr. Petoniak, welcome back to Man Money. Oh, Jim, it's great to be back. The last time I was with you, we never heard of COVID, and we were about 40% of the size we are now at Vici. Well, I'll tell you what else we had never heard of, Ed. We'd never heard of Vici because it was a sleeper Goldman deal. And I saw it, and I said, now, wait a second. I don't like Caesars, but this company, around 15 bucks. I hate the high flyers that open, you know, they're 15, and then they open at 50, and everybody loses money. Yours was the opposite. You came on. You told a great story. It's only got better. How have you been able to keep the growth? Because you are probably the fastest growing REIT to ever be in an index. I'm thrilled with what you're doing. Yeah, Jim. And and, and, uh, just to that point, uh, when we got included in the S&P 500 about two weeks ago, we became the fastest REIT ever to get from IPO to S&P 500 inclusion in a little under five years. And what we've been able to take advantage of is the fact that um, we are pioneering a new institutional real estate investment category, that being gaming real estate. And what we're able to do is acquire phenomenal assets, acquired by phenomenal operators. We collected 100% of our rent during COVID, which was so key to value preservation. You cannot get value creation without value preservation. I, I was an English major at Amherst. But even as an English major, I know that if you go down 20%, you got to go back up 25 just to get even again. Yes. And then the characteristics of our business have allowed us to not only uh, create value, but preserve it through what has been a really uh, weird period of time, Jim. Well, I've got to tell you, this most recent deal, the MGM deal, that was a work of brilliance. Uh, I, I, look, the seizures, I understood, they were distressed. You offer such a good proposition. Can you please tell our viewers why anyone would want to do these kinds of deals with Vici if they own the properties? Well, because we have actually become a very virtuous source of capital, Jim. Um, when we do a sale leaseback with an operator, we're giving them capital that they should actually compare to their blended cost of capital, their cost of debt, but also their cost of equity. And when we did a deal like we did with MGM last year and gave them money that was priced at about 5.9%, that was very, very attractive capital to MGM. They can deploy and continuing to build what we think is one of the best leisure entertainment hospitality networks in the world. Now, I thought what was so exciting, you pretty much own the strip, but then I saw Penn National in there. Now, they're all over the country. This could be just the beginning this, let's cover Vegas and let's go to all the other casinos around the country. It's a gigantic industry away from Vegas. It is. Yeah, we own uh, assets from Lake Tahoe in the west all the way through Atlantic City and up into Massachusetts. We still have room to grow in the U.S. We're excited about growth opportunities in 
countries like Canada, Australia, and elsewhere. We're also very excited about growth in non-gaming, um, which was evident when we announced our very exciting transaction with Cabot, one of the leading placemakers and operators in what we call pilgrimage golf globally. Now, I mean, am I wrong, but any place, uh, uh, right, let's say where they do the Coca-Cola 600, the Lowe's 600 in, in uh, Charlotte. I mean, is any, any place could be a, uh, a potential client for you, right? Yeah, it, it, it could. And, and, and Vegas in that way, Jim, is almost a microcosm of, of, the, of the opportunities we feel we have, both in gaming and outside of gaming. If you look at the way Vegas has evolved in the last few years with the arrival of, of the Golden Knights, the arrival of the Raiders, the arrival of F1, um, all of these kinds of experiential categories do have real estate elements that are very attractive to us. We're intrigued with stadiums, but I would tell you we're probably even more intrigued with training facilities. Um, you know, you're a football fan. You know right. that NFL teams today are investing tens and up to hundreds of millions of dollars in training facilities. They don't necessarily need to tie that capital up in those assets if they can deploy it better elsewhere. You are so right. I mean, the NFL, even the colleges, they're spending obscene amounts and they're not getting anything out of it. And you could be the answer to them. Have you been able to do any NFL uh, ones yet? No, um, we, no, we haven't cracked the NFL yet, but I will tell you that, um, that global soccer, global football is a category we're intrigued with, a category in which we are having some initial discussions. And, you know, as you and, and your audience are well aware, it's probably global football that is, is leading the way right now in terms of infusions of new equity, new ideas, and, 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 and creating an ecosystem we think we can participate in and create a lot of value for our potential partners. Well, I, you know, I am so glad you came on. I, I was worried when you first started. I said, geez, they can only do so many casinos. But you are obviously thinking much bigger than that. And that is why your company has been on the move and been such a great growth performer with a fantastic yield. Very hard to find in this market. Ed Petoniak, CEO of, Ed, of Vici Properties. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. Thank you, Jim. Guys, you got to look away from the crowd, okay? Everybody moans about all these stocks that go down. You see them all day here. How about a company like Fiji? 5% yield. Look at the growth path this man has, and he's doing it all himself. Man, money's back after the break. Coming up, where have all the IPOs gone? This company may put a charge into your portfolio. Kramer has all you need to know next. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. On a buoyant day like today, this is an important cautionary piece I'm about to give you. 
The company may not like it. The bankers won't like it. But you'll need it, and you'll like it. After a flood of low-quality deals last week, the IPO window slammed shut. And we've had very few of these garbage offerings in 2022, the ones that crushed you. In fact, in the second quarter, we had just 21 deals, raising a mere $2 billion bucks, slowest quarter for IPOs since the Great Recession. That's actually good for the market because it's not crushing your dollars. But some companies keep trying to pry the IPO window back open. Take this crowbar called Ivanhoe Electric. It's a copper and gold miner that was planning to come public today with a $175 million offering. The deal got delayed. This came as a surprise because it looked like these guys were dead set on a Friday IPO. But it makes sense when you consider that commodity markets have fallen apart in recent weeks. And I think the outlook for copper is only going to get worse as the Fed keeps tightening. Still, the Ivanhoe Electric deal is now supposed to come early next week. So I wanted to give you a closer look on this one because I think it's important not to be tempted. Let me be very clear. We had over 300 deals last year with hundreds more startups coming public by doing these reverse mergers with special purpose acquisition companies that I think should never have been allowed by the SEC. But there's a cadence to the IPO IPO cycle. I'm going to explain it because I'm from the inside. Remember, I'm from the Goldman Sachs side. I'm not just from the TV side. The investment bankers tend to front load the best merchandise at the beginning of the cycle. By the end of the cycle, you're being inundated with garbage, companies that should never have come public. At this point, the cycle Kaput. Over. We all know that the IPO market is horrific right now. I can't think of a good reason why any sensible executive would want to bring their company public right now unless they need the money very badly. Witness Bausch health care that my trust got gaffed by or they expect their business to deteriorate dramatically in the near future. Great characteristics. Ivanhoe Electric may have the potential to be a real business, but their minds aren't up and running yet. They got a copper project in Arizona, copper along with gold project in Utah. Copper's a byproduct of gold, by the way. They're also working on a silver, gold, and copper project in Montana. How beautiful. As well as nickel, copper, and palladium mine in Ivory Coast. Haven't been there. Although that's, that's a little different from doing business in the United States. Mainly, though, they generate revenue from their technology business with hardware and software that makes it much easier to explore for minutes. When you put big picture economic considerations to the side, Ivanhoe's technology does sound exciting, and their mining projects could potentially be very lucrative, although they would take many years to play out. Management also has a good line of patter about how their U.S.-based mineral projects could be essential to the clean energy transition. You need supply chain security to really build out the battery business in this country, and better batteries are the key to making wind and solar viable. Ivanhoe Electric even has a small business making some of those vanadium flow batteries, and they sound very confident in the underlying technology. But man, oh man, it's like this pitch was tailor-made for, how about 2021? When credulous investors were eager to put their money behind exciting, unproven technologies, especially if they had a renewable energy kicker. Well, we're we're actually in 2022. We're in a bear market now for this stuff. The Federal Reserve is slamming the brakes on the economy in order to tamp down on inflation. And while they are making huge progress, although from today's action, you might disagree, there are two areas where the Fed's been quite successful. One, they've crushed the IPO market so much for the wealth effect and bad news for a company like Ivanhoe Electric that wants to come public. And they've also put real pressure on metal prices, metals like copper. A few weeks ago, copper was trading at 455 and it looked like it was going to six. Now it's at 374. It looks like it's going to three. Also, bad news if you got a bunch of copper mines in development. 
More importantly, Wall Street's no longer willing to pay up for companies with no earnings. Thank heavens. This is a market that values profits and dividends and buybacks, real companies that make real things that return capital and sell at a reasonable price. How right has that mantra been? As for Ivanhoe Electric, forget earnings. They barely even have much revenue. Their mining projects are still in the exploration stage, and management doesn't see that changing anytime soon. For the last three years, the bulk of their sales have come from data processing services for mining and fossil fuel clients. And last year, 74% of that revenue was tied to a single customer. Unfortunately, late last year, they made a new deal with that customer where Liveno licensed their software for a one-time fee of $6.5 million, which they already received in the first quarter. Now, there's another quarter million in service fees left in the contract, but other than that, it sure looks like their main source of business has dried up. No wonder Ivanhoe wants to come public as soon as possible. Who can blame them? Beyond the mining technology business, there's also that vanadium flow battery business, although that's still in its early stage. It only did 140000 in revenue last year and had no sales in the first quarter. No sales, by the way, means zero sales. When you look through Ivanhoe's, Ivanhoe Electric's perspectives, frankly, I describe it as one red flag after another. And red flags, by the way, you know what they are? Red flags. Recurring net losses and negative operating cash flow, something that will continue for the foreseeable future. The company also seems desperate to raise money, which explains why they're trying to do something as ill-advised as coming public in June of 2022. They've been selling shares and convertible notes privately since last summer, but even in the prospectus, they say the IPO proceeds will give them enough cash to carry out their business plans for, get this, at least the next 12 months. Wow. I mean, that's like if you're like, a, you know, a mayfly, that's a long period. Just a year of funding. That doesn't exactly inspire confidence, at least to me. It might to others. There's some people who are gullible. It goes on. We currently have limited resources of operating cash flow, and we will likely need to raise capital or take other measures to fund future exploration and development activities. In other words, if you get a piece of the Ivanhoe IPO, you're almost guaranteed to get hit with a secondary offering in the not-too-distant future that dilutes the value of your shares. And here's the biggest red flag. There is... I regarded this as a suboptimal. There's material uncertainty that casts substantial doubt about our ability to continue as a going concern. A year or two ago, investors were willing to take that kind of risk. But in this market, do you really want to take a chance on a company that might not even exist in a year or two? Again, I don't want to be too harsh. I've been pretty sweet so far. I've been Jimmy Chill on this one. Uh, Ivanhoe's mining technology is intriguing could be game changer. I'm sympathetic to their argument that we do need more domestic copper mines. I, I think these guys have a good business plan. But in the end, that's the problem. Ivano's electric, Ivano Electric feels like more of a business plan than a business. And people have been routinely crushed by this kind of stuff. The company's burning money and desperate to raise capital, hence this poorly timed IPO. I think this IPO could have worked so well in, in late 2020, most of 2021. That was a very different market, though. In today's market, well, save the redoubtable Kathy Wood, who probably likes this thing, is a lot more skeptical of the, these early stage stories. One last point. They spend a lot of time talking about the need for U.S. compromise, which we need. But when you dig deep into the prospectus, as we did, you see that the mine Ivanhoe has spent the most money developing over the last few years is actually in Colombia. And uh, that project's a total mess. They don't even mention it in the perspective, uh, investment case section of the prospectus. I find it discouraging. Bottom line. This is really probably the most important thing. Even if the delayed Ivanhoe Electric gets out the door next week, I think they should just avoid it. This is not the time to bet on an extremely early stage copper mining technology play. Now, I do have advice, though, because I'm coming. I'm coming forearm forbearing here. You want Ivanhoe? I, I have a suggestion. 
Go read the book or watch the movie. There is some fabulous work by Elizabeth Taylor as Rebecca. It's some of her early work, and I'm telling you, I am all in. But forget about the stock. Dustin in New York. Dustin! Booyah, Jim! Booyah! Calling in from upstate New York. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Love what you do. Want to say thank you. I'm loving this. Thank you, man. Uh, my wife's family are from Jay, you know? Like Blue. Blue awesome. Jay. All right, what's up? Stock I'm calling about open-door technologies for the long term. Uh, see, we put that term, the long term, in, and that means we're allowed to be wrong short term. And then, uh, but I, I can't. Everyone's going to say, Jim, did you do the I have not liked open. I feel like that that's one of those companies that came public and they fooled a lot of people. And, you know, like it's kind of like a P.T. Barnum thing. Oh, they'll love that, won't they? They'll say, oh, Jim, you're so wrong. OK, well, I just look at this and I say it's down 61 percent. So empirically. I'm right. Let's go to Cena in California. Cena. What's up, Jenny Booyah? Ah, uh, man, the chill man going to be in the garden tomorrow and then maybe sipping a little phosphoro after I do my work. What's up with you? My brother, I've been a fan back since 05. I've learned so much from your wisdom. Thank you oh, so thank much, Thank you. Thank you. Hey, a lot of guys came up to me and asked for a picture. I want to tell you. People who do that, I actually like it. Stop apologizing. I'm thrilled. Oh, bless you, brother. Bless can I take you, your picture? Bless. Like me? Wow. If you know, well, anyway, that's a, there's that. What, what do we got? <laughs> well, Jimmy, the question I got for you, my man, is Rivion. Buy, sell, hold. I'm a huge fan. I got it on their IPO. I shorted a few weeks later, but now I'm... I'm in there right now wondering what's the next move. What do okay, we do? Okay, here's what the next move is. Ford's got to sell as much as it can. And maybe even Amazon. So I'm not a buyer because those guys, Ford and Amazon, I don't think I want to be on the other side of anything they do. All right, so get this, okay? Cast substantial doubt about our ability. Uh, it's This is about Ivanhoe. What a cast. you got to watch. The book is good. The book is good. But Elizabeth Taylor is Rebecca better than her stuff in National Velvet. If the delayed Ivanhoe Electric IPO gets out the door next week, you need to stay away from it. Much more mad money ahead, including my exclusive with Oshkosh. No, not the pajama people. From electric fire trucks to an AI-powered garbage truck, I'm getting the latest on a host of specialty vehicles with the CEO. Then there's a lot of negativity in this market. But tonight I'm bringing out three positives to light that I think are worth focusing on that you're not talking about. And, of course, all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. You know how interactive we are. Last Thursday during the lightning round, Jacob in Connecticut asked about Oshkosh Corp. That's a diversified industrial that makes access equipment, especially vehicles, truck bodies. You've definitely seen their fire trucks. Over the last 13 months, the stock has sunk from 137 down to the mid 80s. Boy, isn't that the typical bear market trajectory? Although it did have a nice 5% decline, uh, t- uh, move today up along with the rest of the market. I decided to take a stand saying that you should buy Oshkosh in a week this because it's a real company with real earnings and a reasonable valuation. This is the kind of stock that does get cheaper as it goes down. You got to buy it. Doesn't hurt that they had a very bullish investor day event last month that I want to hear about. That's why I want to take a closer look with John Pfeiffer, who's the president and CEO of Oshkosh Corp. And I think a man who watches the show to learn more about his company's prospects. Mr. Pfeiffer, welcome to Mad Money. Hey, hi, Jim. It's, I'm delighted to be on the show and uh, enjoy watching it for sure. Oh, 
Thank you, John. Well, you've got an eclectic mix of incredibly interesting, powerful, technologically driven vehicles. I want to give you the floor to tell people about all the exciting things you do at Oshkosh. Yeah, well, I'll start with kind of the foundational purpose, because that's what unites us and gives us a really strong culture. We serve the people in our communities that are doing the most difficult, most dangerous work that there is. Soldiers, firefighters, people that work at great height. Uh, and we take that, that mission very, very seriously. And as you said, we do it through mobility. You talked about specialty vehicles as you did the intro and our access equipment, which allows people to move and have mobility at height. Uh, we use technology. We're a technology company as much as we are an industrial company. We've got incredible technology across electrification, autonomy, mobility systems, intelligent products. And we use that to solve problems and, and drive value for our customers more now than we've ever been able to do before. Um, and we're really excited about uh, the future of what we can do. Well, you know, John, the other day I was talking about, well, I was hoping that technology would solve our labor shortage problem. Sure enough, I'm going through all the different videos you have on your site. You have a classic, let's say, trash pickup machine. I'll call it that. Describe yep. that because yep. this is remarkable and it really makes it so if you're short, uh, people who want to be in sanitation, this is the answer. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's what we do. We drive productivity uh, right at the pro- at the level that, that we deliver the products. So we allow uh, the, the fleet operators and the operator of the equipment to continuously be more and more productive. We do that through autonomy. We build more autonomy into our refuse and recycling collection vehicles with every year that goes by. Every time we drive autonomy into the product, it allows people to be more productive, and that's that's really good for uh, for the labor situation that we're in right now. Boy, I urge people to look at the videos. Your videos or your site are, are quite striking. We have a situation uh, with Ukraine, and I know it's caused some uh, cost issues, yeah. but what I find interesting is you've got this striker medium caliber weapon system, and I am praying when I saw it that NATO is ordering as many as they can, because if Ukraine goes... Why not Russia go after NATO? Are these being employed against or at least as a line of defense against the Russians? Well, I mean, I mean, everything that we do provides defense for ourselves and our and our allies, NATO countries being uh, number one on that. And I don't think there's anything more sustainable than being able to defend against uh, aggression. And that's essentially the core of what we do. That striker vehicle you talked about, that's a new program for us. Uh, It's a fantastic win. It it expands our capability beyond just the tactical wheeled vehicle where that's kind of our base product and uh, allows uh, allows defense uh, operations to to be more productive and to defend uh, countries. And uh, we'll see NATO continue to invest more, NATO countries continue to, to invest more in their uh, defenses uh, as a result of the terrible situation that we see happening in Ukraine today. All right. Well, that's good because uh, these devices look like they could make a difference for our allies. Uh, you are not stopping. You are making vehicles that have historically been diesel operated into EV. Yep. How's that going? Yeah. Fantastic. Hey, we've been an electrification company for many years. You you didn't hear about it previously because it was usually a discrete program for the Department of Defense or maybe a discrete product that JLG, our access equipment company, was doing. 
but the economics weren't there to expand it over a wide number of use cases. Now we can take that technology that we've been developing for years and we can expand it to a wide number of use cases. You've seen us come out with the new postal vehicle. We're in last mile delivery today. Right. We did an, uh, we, we, a battery electric postal vehicle. We've done it with our access equipment segment, with um, electric municipal fire trucks, airport rescue and firefighting vehicles. We've even got an electric JLTV in our defense portfolio today. So you're seeing us really quickly and aggressively deploy this technology we've got across our portfolio of, of businesses. Now, you're, uh, all of your vehicles are just chock full of semiconductors. Uh, problems in getting right. the ones you need? Sure, everybody has problems with semiconductors. You know, one of the things that we do to try to alleviate some of the constraint is we've, we've had our engineers redesign some of the chips that we use to the more high value added chips for our suppliers because oh. they tell us, hey, you, if you design around the highest value chip, you're gonna get better supply. So that's what we do. Um, but, I'm, but that doesn't solve all of our problems. We still have some uh, supply constraint. It's not just semiconductors either. There's other areas of the uh, supply chain that are still constrained and make it tough for us to operate in the, in the current environment. Well, I will say this. I wish more people knew about you. I knew about you for a long time for some of the, th- some of the things you've done with the military, but also because of your culture, which is a long-established, great culture. And I really want to thank you for, com- for coming on the show. I hope you'll be back, John Pfeiffer, president and CEO of a very interesting, exciting company, Oshkosh Corporation. Good to see you. Thanks, Jim. Excellent. Excellent. Guys, there's so much good stuff about these. I spent I spent hours looking at these videos because this is a gem of an American company. Mad Money's back in for the break. Just chill out. Is this Chill Master Jay? The Chill Man is in the house. He's happy. The lightning round is coming up when Mad Money returns. Before we get to the lightning round, team player Kramer wants to clue you into a huge lineup happening all next week on CBC, live from the Aspen Ideas Festival. I know my friend Sarah Eisen is going to be there. We bring you live interviews and newsmaking conversations from this amazing gathering. We are from Jessica Alba, Ken Chenault, Eric Schmidt, the CEOs of Intel, IBM, PepsiCo, Wells Fargo, Bumble, and more. I'm not going to be there, and it's breaking my heart, but I support my team. Tune in. And now, and now it is time for the lightning round on Kramer's Mad Money. <laughs> yeah, that's what we play with. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski? Dad, have a lightning round. Let's start with Bob in New York. Bob! Booyah, Jimmy Chill. Booyah. I'm a longtime, first-time caller, also a member of your great investment club. Yes. And, um... I have a question. I'm in the house of pain on this stock. I own a lot of, and and maybe you can help me buy, sell, or hold. Pioneer Natural Resources. Oh, PSG. come on, man. Pioneer Natural is terrific. It went down. You know, look, we think this is a company that yields 13%. It is uh, the, the, the hedge funds are all getting run out of the commodity stocks. It's going to make a ton of money, even at oil is at 80. Jeff Marks and I almost pulled the trigger on it today bye, 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 for bye, more. Bye, bye, bye. That's how much I like Pioneer. Uh, I'm going to throw in Devin, by the way. Devin is too cheap again. Uh, all right, let's go to Mark in Wisconsin. Please, Mark. Dr. Kramer, first thing I want to say is thank you for the tip on a stock by the name of Switch, S-W-C-H. 
They were acquired by Digital Bridge Group, DBRG. Yeah, we nailed that one. Should. No, I mean, you know, look, here's the way I think. You know what? I say congratulations and let's move on. I need to go to Michael in Delaware. Michael. Uh, Big booyah, Jim. Happy Friday. Oh, yeah. Same to you. What's going on? Yeah, I know how you feel about this company, Nucor. But oh, Nucor. I'm having a problem here. Eighty-four dollars is where I grabbed it. One eleven. It's giving me a little bit of worries. Do you think okay, that Nucor okay. is getting wrapped up Okay, okay. Steel prices are coming down. The- Steel prices are coming down. You're not supposed to buy Nucor at this point in the in the economic cycle. I think that uh, if energy comes back, Nucor comes back, and I'd rather buy energy right now than I would Nucor. I'm not done. I'm going to Josh in Minnesota. Josh. Jim. Jim Booyah, how you doing? This Downtown is Josh, Josh, I'm doing fine. What's happening? Hey, I want to talk to you about Neo. Really? I've it's- been riding the Neo train this last week, and I just, I've had a good time. It's the first time in a while I can say that, and I just wanted to see what you thought. And that's what I have to say about Neo. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, the fate of Ukraine, a winter without oil, and the melting value of the dollar in your pocket. Hang in there, Kramerica. Kramer takes on what ails you next. You know, I like to consider what could go right for the market, especially if you're dealing today, right? So after a terrific day for the averages, I want to dig into the forces at work that prevent our economy from having the proverbial hard landing that everybody's worried about and maybe gave us a glimmer of what could happen if things will go well. First, Ukraine. The war hasn't been going great, but we've seen a steady parade of diplomats and well-known personalities visiting President Zelensky from Ukraine. Take them one by one, they don't really matter. But when you take them in mass, it's clear Zelensky's made himself a legitimate champion, which makes it very hard for Russia to just assassinate him. That may sound like a strange thing to say, but if you look at Russia's last big war, when they spent years stamping out separatists in Chechnya, one of the first things they did was to assassinate the most important rebel leader with laser-guided missiles. Of course, Chechnya is much smaller than Ukraine and was already part of Russia, so they got zero support from the West. Zelensky's in a very different position. I can't think of another world leader who has more support from the West than this guy. Meanwhile, Vladimir Putin's an international pariah, someone who can stay in power only because he's backed up by nuclear weapons, weapons and has no free press whatsoever, so Russian citizens think he's doing really well. As long as Russia can't take out the Ukrainian government, they have a very difficult endgame. After the first failed plan, I think Putin decided to play for time, waiting for the winter to bring Western Europe to heal, because these countries are all dependent on Russian natural gas for heating. I was worried that our government, or at least our European allies, would sell Ukraine out as we got closer to the winter. I figured they'd pressure Zelensky to make a Munich-style peace deal and give away a decent chunk of his country in order to ensure their natural gas access. That's bad news for freedom and democracy, but it's great news for the stock market, which wants peace at any price. I'm increasingly bullish on the prospects of a negotiated settlement, and I'll tell you why. The price of oil has collapsed from its recent highs. This move makes no sense unless the West got something up its sleeve. You simply can't rule it out. Oil shouldn't be going down like this. Second, we've seen a remarkable collapse in food prices. Again, I'd be worried about food inflation because a long war will sideline Ukrainian agriculture, potentially taking out 13% of the world's calorie production. We know many countries in Africa will suffer from famine without grain from Ukraine. That could get very ugly very fast. 
But just like the sell-off in oil, I have to believe the shocking decline in soy, corn, wheat aren't just due to a lack of buyers. I think the traders are worried about being stuck with these goods if the war ends. Maybe I should say when the war ends. Finally, metal prices have begun to collapse, too. That might mean that auto companies won't have to raise prices anymore, assuming they can get their hands on enough semiconductors to make the cars they need. Now, Ford's last quarter was crushed by steel, aluminum, nickel, copper, and iron, all of which have now breathtaking declines. I'm not sure what will happen next, but it shocks me that no one else is talking about these declines. It's just crazy, even as they're very real signs that we're making progress in the fight against inflation. I don't care if it's because of a Ukraine deal or not. We are making progress. I think people look at these deals uh, and, and they look at the declines and they say, so what, Jimmy Chill? They show you that we're going into recession. I say not so fast. These declines show you that with just a few rate hikes from the Fed and the possibility of a truce in Ukraine, J-PAM might not have to take rates higher than 3% and change to tame inflation. No one seems to be considering that so may... Maybe, maybe it's really worth betting on. I think many people bet on it today. I'd like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you Monday. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.